from Belfast, Northern Ireland. You're listening to the Four Sweet Horsemen Podcast with Richard Drew, Andrew Moore, Chris Curlett, and Stephen Curry. Amazing intro. Um, my name is Andrew Moore. I welcome to the first ever Four Sweet Horsemen podcast, and with me is my good friend Stephen Curry. Hello, folks. Just here to talk some wrestling, talk shite, and really, I'm nowhere near as clued up as the rest of these lads. So uh, I'll pass it over to Richard Troop. Uh, yeah, and unlike Stephen Curry, I'm not really here to talk about wrestling. I'm just here to talk about shite. So <laughs> um, the wrestling's just an afterthought. The the shite will be very much the main course for, for me. And of course, beside me is uh, Chris Curlett. Hello, my job is to go through each match and write it piece by piece and make sure that I'm able to explain the match to you in great detail for these t- three, sorry, to pick apart and make fun of me for my really bad spelling mistakes. Um, but well, to be fair, you're also here because you're the, the fucking sax machine of the group. So. I do try. I try very was your idea to actually do this to be a Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I instantly regret it. Yeah, you, you only fucking regret it because it's like, well, we can't have only three people and a four horsemen. And, and, we'll ask Curry for the shits and giggles. And a bit of backstory, of course, uh, the re- one of the main reasons why we set this up was because last Christmas, for some strange reason, I felt compelled to uh, buy Chris a birthday present uh, no Christmas a birthday present at Christmas might have been I might have been your birthday uh, no a Christmas present uh, with the 100 greatest WWE matches of all time um, because there's a wrestling podcast everywhere these days I don't even think we're the only one in Northern Ireland no um, apparently which is really unfortunate um, we, for them I we joking we <laughs> let's, let's not turn a heel quite alright too all soon right. man too soon, too man. soon there may be other podcasts but they're not too sweet oh, oh sweet. fuck me was that tumbleweed oh, knocking the door fucking hell oh dear oh dear uh, well Andy does make up a, bring up a good point um, whenever he bought that birthday present for Chris at Christmas <laughs> um, he uh, basically it, it actually has provided us with a framework uh, on which you know we can actually structure our shite talk into um, you know hopefully a semi-constructive weekly podcast um, and also we wouldn't be really uh, constrained by the book as well we, we kind of discussed before we can maybe bring in other topics ranging from uh, modern wrestling all the way back to the classic wrestling and it might just not be based on matches it could be certain themes or topics related to wrestling as well um, and of course you know um, we would obviously welcome feedback um, from anyone who's listening um, and maybe ideas that they think we should talk about because right, uh, the, the book uh, uh, if I remember correctly, it's WWF AWA, is it? No, no it's no. probably just WWE and it has a wee bit of NXT in it. A wee bit of NXT, because there's NXT. obviously, like as we mentioned, we talked about previously, things like ECW and New Japan. Um, there's even, there's, you know, there's, there's wrestling on this island that there's been some fucking stellar matches we've seen. So there's bound to be some in the book that either we can't get our, our mitts on to watch or maybe just don't don't push the buttons and we feel that we know something a bit closer to home and it would be better to cover yeah on the point of the book actually as well I mean it, it does go from essentially the start of, of WWF but mm-hmm. um, it, it does have a cut off point from when the book was published uh, which was do you remember what year 2016 2016 um, now I can think of uh, now there's not many amazing matches in WWF or WWE these days but I can think of I know the main roster NXT yeah, definitely yeah, but there have been a couple of standout noteworthy matches that would be worth going into the book um, if it was 
published now. Um, mm. So certainly that would, you know, the podcast will be give us scope to talk about matches that maybe wouldn't have made it in the book because it's in a different federation or or um, maybe it's happened um, since the, mm. the book has been published. Yeah, um, there's, there's quite a lot of matches in the book as well where the footage isn't actually, it's not on YouTube, it's not on the network. So there is matches that we were not able to do, but um, it's going to be good that we have, there's 90 matches that we can choose from there when we don't have ideas but with the four of us watching so many different promotions and different matches and liking so many different superstars we shouldn't be short for ideas so you don't really know what you're going to get with a podcast but it is going to be entertaining and wrestling based well to be fair we don't really know what we're going <laughs> no, we to podcast either yeah. as we mentioned this is our, our <laughs> loose blueprint uh, God knows how it ends up it's, it's our very first episode we probably overthought this intro ten times before we hit the record button yeah, yeah. just we have hit the record button now but let's just make sure we're getting yes, shit it's right definitely, now. it's definitely the big are, red fucking we are in business that's we are in business actually no way are you prick? But <laughs> 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 that's the other thing, as we mentioned, we're, we're joking like it is our first first tool. We've had a dry run of this in the past, but this is our proper, you know, go at it. And I just want to say thanks to everybody who's actually shown any form of vague interest across all the social media accounts. We're actually very flattered that people actually give a shit and want to show a bit of interest in four gobshites talking wrestling in, in Belfast. It's pretty uh, damn cool. And also before we do, I also like to thank Conor Agnew for a themed an intro which yeah. is way better than I ever expected to be. To be fair, I mean, he he made an intro that far surpasses the quality of the actual <laughs> podcast, <laughs> and and it's just downhill from there on out. Yeah. Easily, easily. But um, actually, at this stage of the conversation, people have probably realised that and they've already fucking. To be fair, <laughs> at least they can tune in every week and they can just listen to the intro That's and then true. they can just fuck off as soon as it's finished. You know? Should we sell it as an MP3 on Bangkok? <laughs> <laughs> fucking fortune! <laughs> Don't tell Connor. Oh yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, as long as they hit the subscribe button afterwards, yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Anyway, uh, should we kick into the first match of the first episode then? Yes, certainly. Okay, so what is the first match? I am happy. Well, that Chris like, happy. I'm happy. <laughs> I am happy to introduce that our first match is yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania three in 1987 in the Pontiac Silverdome. And it was an awesome match. Uh, yeah, I do you know what I actually. I mean, it was nineteen eighty-seven. I mean, I was I was only just one year old at this point. Chris, I you weren't born. You weren't <laughs> even born. Baghdad at the time. Um, um, and, and I had no idea of this match until we had we had sort of uh, talked about it through the book uh, and for the podcast. And um, and we watched it. We sort of did a bit of a dry run of this podcast that obviously won't be published, you know, because um, it was fucking terrible quality. That's in the Blu-ray. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, we, I watched it initially for that podcast, the initial dry run, and I was impressed by it. You know, it was a different style of wrestling in an era when it was just either fat lads or fucking bodybuilders yeah. lamping the shit out of each other in a ring, and this sort of was almost like a a real there was a real style and class this match that hadn't really been seen before or wasn't normal for this era but you know I'm, I'm fucking happy that I got to watch it and I'm happy I got to watch it again for this proper record of the episode what are your initial thoughts on it Andy? I, I absolutely love it it's um, I suppose it's probably the first time in maybe Wrestlemania history uh, just taking the history of this where it was more than just the Hulk Hogan's and me, it brought the wrestling back to Wrestlemania which in the first two years it was all uh, random matches like Mr. T and Hulk Hogan doing yeah. a tag team match in the main event actually in the main event and then Wrestlemania 2 was such a shit show of 
three different venues and they had to you know they had screens or something yeah they they, they, they had like a certain set of matches in one building and they had a certain set of matches in another then they had the main event stuff in another imagine if you paid a ticket to the first uh, venue and you only got like say the modern day equivalent of getting Titus O'Neil versus Matt Hardy you know um, (laughs) you know you you, you, you would be a bit pissed (laughs) actually on that fucking thing you know it's it's ironic that it was a real good Wrestlemania for wrestling and it's amazing that WWE hasn't really bothered to recapture that essence for Wrestlemania since they're back to the whole glitzy glam I don't know I don't know if that's fair because if you think about it I still think the greatest Wrestlemania of all time for me is still Wrestlemania 17 if you watch that one from start to finish, it's one of the best wrestling shows with the WWF at the time. Yeah. Ever put on, they had the two, there are two biggest stars main eventing it. Yeah. In a way that even Hogan and, suppose for a modern, for an 80s equivalent or early 90s, yeah. it would be Warrior v Hogan, whereas The Rock v Austin, both of them could wrestle. Yeah, well, that, that is an exception. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm thinking more in the past few years where oh, it's yeah. been to the point where I'm not watching WrestleMania Live I'm not staying up for yeah, it yeah what's the fucking point yeah. that's only because like 10 hours long well there is that as well there is that and it's the fact that you can only watch the same boys pretend to knock the same colours of shite out of each other over and over again and then you watch fucking DX come back and knock the shit out of the, the, the current roster and you go well, what's the point neon like green Zimmer frames for fuck's sake I know I, don't get me wrong I do love a wee bit of Shawn Michaels but come on give the lad a chance <laughs> Dr. Eggman Dr. Eggman Curry, what are your initial thoughts on, on, on the, the Savage Steamboat match? Yeah. To be honest, like as you mentioned, I have it's to say I, I'm not as hardcore wrestling as, as the rest of the guys here. I'd openly admit that. Like, but I did watch as a child. I remember watching WWF growing up, and I went off it for a few years. Got back into the Attitude Era, and then back in it again. And I did watch like you know Savage and Hogan and the Warrior and Hacksaw Jim Duggan when I was growing up. I don't remember. We all had the toys. We all had the toys, and they were all fucking wee bastards. See when you wind them up, those fucking punches that actually took the knuckles clean off you, like the fucking. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> I know more about wrestling fucking toys than I do about fucking matches, but I uh, I do remember seeing like you know these matches and. I remember being a kid going like thinking these matches last forever. They took forever and they bored the tits <laughs> no, off me. You're See as a child. Right. Yeah. But and, and I think it's because I didn't appreciate wrestling. I just wanted to see The Undertaker because he was the next closest thing to like a comic book villain to me. Ultimate Warrior was like a superhero to me, so him running about acting like a full blown fucking spastic, has a kite on fucking coke, <laughs> running off the ropes, being a dickhead, I thought was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And the things like Hogan ripping his top off and your man constantly going, you're shirt you're gonna go through in a week son couldn't rip a t-shirt and see my life every fucking PE vest near ripped off my back um, you know stuff like that that's what entertained me wrestling moves didn't I just saw it as two big fucking lumps of lard beating the shit out of each other but as an adult and as a, a, a proper fan being able to watch matches and appreciate moves and, you know fuck you Chris would you love to be said as a proper adult as a proper adult says adult the boy in the fucking like, Spider-Man socks like I've seen your um, underwear collection you're, you're, you're not, not a man you're not the only man seeing my underwear <laughs> collection guys let's move on before let's move on really in, in a fucking nutshell all I'm trying to say is now in the current uh, landscape of wrestling and what I watch I can really appreciate the move sets the execution and the storytelling behind this you know growing up as a kid storytelling to me in wrestling was Jake the Snake Roberts dropping the Ultimate Warrior into a pit of fucking snakes or something that was a story but it was fucking ridiculous to be so. fair it's a better story than the shit that come off with now like so well um, you're not far wrong Chris what were your initial thoughts of the match well when I first started wrestling it was during you were a wrestler were you 
when I first started watching. Ah, exactly. <laughs> when I first started watching wrestling, uh, I started in the Attitude Era. So I was I only had like two minute matches for the whole of Raw. Every match was two minutes. When the trash can and blown. Yeah. So it was bastard. really short at- er, attention. And then uh, when I finally sat down to watch a long match, I found it hard to mm, watch. But then um, yeah. as I got older and then obviously learned about uh, wrestlers who were in wrestling before the Attitude Era you went back and watched it and you can actually see that they worked a lot harder than what most people in the Attitude Era did like Attitude Era was throwing punches and hitting your finishers or throwing someone outside whereas these guys like it's very technical and it's the sort of wrestling that I love now True enough, and you were just on the attitude here, not to piss on it completely. No, and, like I enjoyed no, it, you know. No, 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 we all did, and you know, it's one of the re- yeah, reasons all of us love wrestling. Yep. But if you actually go back and watch it without the rose tinted glasses, as a lot of fans tend to do with that era, a lot of matches never actually finished. Like nearly yep. every Raw from 1998 to 1999 ended with just a massive brawl for no, absolutely no reason. Yeah, but, but it was when, always overkill, but you know what they say about nostalgia? It's never what it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> As it says, sitting in your game room surrounded by computer <laughs> games from how many years ago, that's not what it used to be, man. You know, are you trying to say that I've got the fucking attitude here of like, <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, you've got the Dreamcast, it's the next best thing. Yeah, that's um, true in fairness. But in regards to like the attitude era and the way the, the matches were not lengthy technical matches I know we're deviating away from the Steamboat match again but do you think that's because they're writing the, the sort of tail codes of what ECW was doing at the time and that's they're just trying to be extreme and quick and people's attention span everything, they didn't care yeah. enough to invest everything in, in the 90s late 90s early 2000s was based on Tude it was like attitude everything mm-hmm. was attitude your fucking gaming consoles were attitude your fucking Cartoon. your games were cartoons yes, yeah, cartoons yeah, yeah, yeah. were attitude yeah. you know your music was attitude it was all the new metal and rap crossover all that shit and then that bled into wrestling as well whereas back here because after the isn't the precursor to this match when it ends you get fucking Alice Cooper pops up at the end of it so that was instead of fucking you know that would have been of the time then yeah and, exactly um, so there was still a bit of that going on but it's just a completely different kettle of fish I always think that a lot of times um, wrestling tends to embody the sort of era it's taking place in sure they always take the tropes of what's popular at the time and Attitude Era very much was a snapshot of that era in general of oh, yeah. pop culture and it was embodied in Stone Cold Steve Austin exactly Generation X exactly and, with, and NWO of course and with the Macho Man and, and Ricky Steamboat match I mean, it embodied what was popular at mm-hmm. the time, and it was ninjas. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. And karate. Karate. See, see I disagree. I actually don't think. I think the reason why Savage and Steve was so good, especially even now, it's a good is because it, because it went against the grain of what was popular back then. Like Hulk Hogan was what the WWF was all about. Yeah. yeah. At worst, and you know the big big thing that they keep talking about WrestleMania three was um, Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant which is the Wrestlemania moment of that era even what, though that moment happened several times before yeah it wasn't a one off exactly. if you actually watched the match the match was actually really slow because Andre the Giant was actually quite ill at the time yeah, yeah, he, he wanted to do the, the business on a very grand stage for Hogan to and he kind of drifted into obscurity after that sure um, whereas I think Savage and Steamboat just were lower on the card or about midway through the pay-per-view and wanted to really, really make a just an absolute clinic of a spectacle for people who still liked pro wrestling. Do you know what? They fucking put on such a fucking wrestling clinic yeah. that it still could be argued it's a blueprint for good fucking wrestling today. I mean, it, it's so weird for that era 
yeah, and we will go into more detail about the match and what happened in it. But overall, when I look back at it now, I'm thinking this this has storytelling that you know is wise and way far beyond its years. True. Um, it's it stands out in that era for that reason, not just that reason alone, but for other reasons. Um, there's a lot of subtext to the match as well. It tells the story. You don't have to know the exact story in the ins and outs. It tells the story perfectly mm-hmm. through the match and through the moves. Um, the, some of the move sets, the move sets back then were quite limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the moves awesome. that they're pulling off in this, um, you know, are, are just fucking beyond what you would have normally seen. As I said, it was usually two fucking chunky lads, yeah. you know, banging the shit Irish whip, clothesline, Irish whip, clothesline, yeah, body know, slam, maybe, suplex, done. Yeah, yeah and that was over a period of twenty-five fucking minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and this, it, it went against, as Andy said, it went against the grain of what was happening at the time. And you know, I kind of got the impression that. You know, these two guys went into that ring they weren't top bill on it but they went you know what with nothing to fucking lose let's go out and let's just fucking have a good match um, and we'll see what comes of it How do you think that's the party to do with you know the whole synopsis of Macho Man like blueprinting his matches you know move for move and being very pedantic about well, that is another issue yeah. and I think that plays into what we're seeing here being so pitch perfect like I think yeah. it's because he was such a master in the ring. I think that's also the embodiment for the intercontinental heavyweight. Heavyweight at the time. Yeah. Is it? Uh, it's also regarded in wrestling lore. Maybe not well, to a degree now because Seth Rollins has been holding for a while. Uh, but back then, it was always regarded as the workhorse title. Of, sure. it, was, it was always the best wrestler in the company. Maybe wasn't good enough in physical hand size to have the main title. Yeah. But. They would get the IC title if you look at all the. Yeah, it was always the draft. The fucking honky tonk man. That's maybe that's maybe an exception. Uh, maybe an exception. Oh right, okay, sorry. No, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 but raining ever. ever. Might we add? Oh fuck. No, is it the no, the Miz? The Miz. Oh shit. Did yeah, you take him in the end? I don't know. I'm just look at him. It's the honky tonk man. No, come on. I think you're right. He's uh, fucking uh, pish. He was but, pish. That's what I'm talking. also think of the other people who held that title around that time. You had Roy Roy Piper who was. Ari wish have had a run with the world title it's criminally never did that he never did in, in his entire did. career be it WCW WWF whatever uh, Brett Hetman Hart got his first singles push with the IC title mm-hmm. before he went on to bigger things and uh, bigger worse things later on in his career Mr. Perfect uh, now did and, uh, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning which is where we, we might even talk about the Bret Hart perfect match yeah. in later episode Do I, actually on the point of the IC belt I always remember back in the day when I was younger as a kid watching it the, the dark times of the early 90s uh, early to mid nineties, that uh, I always saw the IC belt for me as being a better, a better belt, belt. Uh, than the world championship because of the quality of the wrestler that held it. Mm-hmm. it. They were always a better technician in the ring. They weren't just the big marquee name. They yeah. were a fucking grafter, and you were always going to get a masterclass. And it was usually your favorite wrestler as well. Yeah, yeah, and they and you always kind of wanted them to get that world championship push, and they never did. I mean, the, the only two who really, well, actually, three would be. Um, Savage, of course, went on yeah. to hold the world title after this, and uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Yeah, but I mean, generally, it was like for a lot of the wrestlers, that was the upper tier of what I they would reach. That, that was a glass ceiling for a lot of the, the smaller guys in the company yeah. at the time. And but I guess that that sort of embodies that that love for the underdog that's built within us as fans, where you're you're seeing a wrestler hold this title, and you know where the next level is. The, the heavyweight champion but they don't quite get there but they're good enough to, to have a belt and that's why you invest in that character that person because they're of a certain uh, credibility and you know they can fucking do it but 
you know, if somebody's already got the belt, I don't feel as invested in them because there's nowhere else to go. They're just Agreed, retaining yeah. it. Whereas if you know someone can get further along the lines, um, and I, I believe that's why there's so many great IC title holders where you've always fucking rooted for. Um, and that, that's just my takeaway on that. On, on that. I think yeah. it's pretty fucking badass for a lot of them. Um, as for the match itself, I think we should maybe get into it. Oh, yeah, when well, um, Chris did his thing. Okay, so Matt Chris, Ray. what was the, the build-up to the match? So uh, previous months earlier before this match... Uh, Ricky um, challenged Randy Savage for the Intercontinental Champ- Heavyweight Championship. Um, Savage tried to take Steamboat out of action by draping him on the barricade and dropping an elbow on him, uh, trying to crush his. Well, he did crush his larynx. His larynx. That's right, isn't it? Larynx. That is. Yep. Um, Savage then followed it up by um, hitting Ricky Steamboat with the the ring bell again. Uh, taking more time off him so Ricky was gone in that very dramatic exit where he was grasping for his last clutching of oxygen and, and my, my favourite part of the whole build comes after that whenever me and Gene Oakland goes down to the hospital and his best tucks yes and that's he's a consummate I don't think me and Gene Oakland ever actually wore anything but a tux you went to bed last thing <laughs> true, yeah, true sitting at the side of the pool with a pair of shorts and just tucks from your face <laughs> well when you're that cool why not yeah, and, and if then, I could get away with a tux every day I would and then, and then he ended up uh, interviewing a doctor who looked like Lou Albano at the time uh, yes, yes probably was Lou Albano was he? he was probably double jobbing you know we got to get that to get <laughs> just Mario. a off day yeah. I think he was Super Mario at the time that's you know? right he was Super Mario well that was a bit later I think actually was it not the Super uh, a couple of years there wasn't it yeah, I think 89 was. 89 90 yeah. I think it was so is that our first checkbox on we may mention retro gaming? Yes, of course. There is, we yeah. go. Absolutely. I remember I used to have the, the VHS of the Super Mario Bros. Super Show. It was, good, it was good. What's oh. VHS? <laughs> Fuck you. And do you want it, 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 it was good at the time. You know what VHS is? A very good. hard slap up your face. That's a very cartoon, really, of, yeah. of yeah. our title. Yeah. You watch it now. It's I, like, I think if you watch it now, it's actually quite frightening that Captain Lou Albano was Mario. <laughs> badass. I used to watch it all the time. You remember GMTV back in the day? What a show. <laughs> Just saying. Right. Okay, so um, on the uh, with regards to the build up, um, is there anything else we want to add to it? Um, I, I've actually actually something I want to interject with um, on the build up. Um, they really, really sold um, this whole build up for it, um, which was odd considering it wasn't the top billing match, but they did build the storyline for it. Yeah. Um, it was interesting that uh, they really built um, Ricky Steamboat um, up as being the plucky underdog mm-hmm. yeah. throughout, um, which was was quite odd because. You think about it, like Macho Man, he was the face. He was a face still. Even though he's a bit of a heel, people still loved him. Well, well see, this is, the, this is the thing I didn't really understand. Maybe looking back on it, because we weren't watching it live at yeah. the time, because we were far too young. Um, if you watch it now, you know, Miss Elizabeth is very much a face manager to me. Yes. Yeah. And Macho Man... I know he, he goes on to be the Macho King in the, in the monster a couple of years to yeah. come after this. But, yeah, I wouldn't... Uh, nothing in the match, um, bar maybe the bell bit, would make me think that he's a heel. Yeah, yeah. and and the crowd's reaction to him as he as he comes down yeah, to the ring, he's definitely is positive towards yeah. him. But I think it was it was almost genius booking and and how they they pushed um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat um, as being the plucky underdog. I mean, he was the plucky underdog. Everyone likes a plucky underdog. He was a face, but then everyone also liked Macho Man because yeah. of his character creates and his conflict and, and, and it creates conflict, yeah, conflict yeah. And, and emotion in in who you root for. I mean, you can't fucking lose. Whoever wins, yeah. you know, it's going to be great no matter what. You're going to enjoy it, it. It was the Karate Kid for Cobra Kai, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. They, but, but they, Cobra Kai were wankers. Yeah, were wankers. Savage wasn't a wanker. So he wasn't no, a wanker. No, no. He they wasn't. had to take Miss Elizabeth off. 
savage for him to get heat. They had to put him with was it Sister Sherry? Was was Sherry Bartel, was, yeah. uh, to to get that that heel emotion from the crowd because yeah. no matter what he did, she was a bad bitch, though, wasn't she? Oh, she was crazy. Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't boo Macho Man, and we saw that when uh, he comes out to the ring because he comes out first. Yeah, with which Miss is Elizabeth. fucking weird. And obviously with the video package, they're playing that he is the heel. He tried to take out, he tried to end Ricky's career. Yeah, um, still cheering. But he, <laughs> still he got cheering. a good response. And um, it's like we said, it, he couldn't boo Macho Man as long as he was with Miss Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. If you will. If you will. <laughs> That's my Dusty Rhodes. Where's Dusty Rhodes' impression of the episode? If you will, Actually, I think a modern day comparison of that would be AJ Styles' heel he'll run in WWE um, yeah you couldn't hit him you couldn't hit him because he was the best you knew he was the best wrestler in the company yeah yeah. and, he's, lovely. and he's fucking lovely hair and yeah he's, he's fucking his soccer mom hair, haircut was lovely <laughs> soccer mom haircut um, it's always well conditioned like it is we'll fucking out of this um, but so, it's, it's weird when you're talking about it as well we, we spoke previously um, about the fact that Savage comes out first and he's the title holder yeah. which is something that is just not a dumb thing I think, what is that? I think that is because it's Steamboat's big return as well yeah, yeah I, I think know it was put that way when he came back he did come in uh, during a match with Macho Man but I don't actually think he had wrestled since he came back so uh, that's probably it true because uh, I know in the past, you know, stories you ever hear of Vince McMahon, how he books shows, he does tend to put the most pop, the more popular or the baby face to come out uh, second, regardless of whether they're the champion or not. Okay. If, you know, if you watch through some attitude era um, skits, especially modern day, modern day does it way more now than he ever did in the back in the day, unless it was John Cena uh, was the champion. Oh, Sorry, I just oh, yes, no. uh, but it, 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 on that point, I think you know Ricky the Dragon Steve coming out second complimented their booking and their push for him. That the fact he was being billed as the plucky underdog, definitely. You know that was it. They were they were almost especially his promo we cut beforehand. The one step away was all about the karate. The karate. Yeah. One step away from hanging a fucking sign around his neck saying "Like me." Yes. You know. <laughs> you know. You couldn't make it any more off. You know. Yeah. Obviously, but, but it was a, hard to hear him. Though. Yeah, like, well, he was, he was a pure pure. Baby like we've we talked the past about how much of a born hero he can be, but he's really. Do you know what? Though I actually kind of think he, he wouldn't. Drink, he wouldn't drink a wreck of pints, but he probably has a good story. Do you know what? I was, it's, it's perfectly compliments everyone's about to say here. <laughs> I'm gonna say he wouldn't drink a pint, but it's a good story. Hey, yeah. no, I was going to say. I think, I, think not, I think he would offer you a really sage advice though. If you're yeah. going for a hard time yeah. and you're at a pub and you're just at the bars by yourself, he'd go, "What's wrong, son? Let me make you a cup of tea." He me off the whole time, and this is everything you're saying perfectly compliments what I'm about to say. What, including in, in terms of how he wrestles and how his interactions with the crowds are. He's the he's the older he's a proto version of Daniel Bryan. Yes, right. absolutely. No, wouldn't, wouldn't go mad on the pints, but he'd give you sage advice. He'd make sure you got in a fucking call a cab and got he home safe. Wrestles like a cruiserweight. He's also got good morals. You would, you, would not, you would not see Ricky the Dragon's people doing a crown jewel. Well, exactly. no, maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. Definitely wouldn't. Definitely not. <laughs> he wouldn't be alive, probably. <laughs> he wouldn't be alive. Let's not get into that. In Ric Flair's book, Ric Flair mentioned several times how Ricky was one of his favourite to work with because he was just so nice and so professional. And I think that's why he got a lot of respect I, and from everyone. Definitely in a future episode, I think we should check out some of the Ric, the Ric Flair steamboat mm. matches because they're as good as the yeah. uh, great chemistry match we're talking about. Them, yeah, yeah. But you mentioned the, the we backstage interview before. Uh, Ricky came out and um, so we cut the Mean Gene who's standing with Ricky Steamboat who's wearing his do it for me his card. fucking gi his karate gi <laughs> sounds so much worse when I say it like that he's uh, using some uh, great quotes he's saying it's his last opportunity 
He says he's breathing fire and that he's going to scorch Randy Savage's oh. back. What's he does? He bumble him or something? Uh, that's, that's What's a, he going to scorch his back? Scorch oh. his back. Send me a lighter and a fucking tin of links. Take that, you prick. I, I, I still think that was the precursor to Fistic Man's going, I love it. Yeah. Let's give him fire. Let's put a tail He's a dragon. Do you think he can actually breathe fire? <laughs> then what do we do? Fast forward him many months later and he's fucking wearing scales and a fucking headdress. Wait, 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 wait. He went to WCW after this. Is that what that all and then he came, when he came back, um, <laughs> some people say it was uh, punishment. A punishment. Fuck for, you, for, Ricky! For turn you in your goddamn reptile. Yep. Yeah. Dusty got polka dots and I don't think I don't think Ricky got that bad of a deal yeah. into that one in the era of. It was fucking cool. It was. Yeah. If you, you think of that era in general, everyone had a gimmick. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 that bad I'd rather be framed fire than being a bitman. Exactly. IRS or some shit. Yeah. Two choices for you: you can be a plumber or a dragon. Fucking dragon. I'll be a plumber. Was a teacher. Remember that one? It was the teacher. Oh no no no! That was the genius. The genius is it Dean Douglas or something? No, no, no. He's no, 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 no. in the Blackboard in his promo. Oh, um, it was, That's a heel that, move. Uh, Randy Savage's brother, Lanny Poffo, was the genius. Ah. No, and then Shane the Douglas was... Dean Douglas. Who said the teacher? Dean. Then went yeah. under Dean. The, the, the Dean. The Dean. Yeah. yeah. Where he won the icy belt for literally two minutes and Razor Ramon buried him. Yeah. yeah. What a crock or the click, of Or the click did anyway. What a crock of fuck. Like, you know, crock of fuck. to be a plumber or a dragon. I can fucking see that. Go further than crock of fuck. It's a fuck of fuck. That, 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 that is an 80s computer game right there. It's so good. It's like, <laughs> Actually, it was. It's a remarkable. It's a snapshot in the fucking era. It's a snapshot of the era. You know what? You could be a dragon or a plumber. Wait a minute. You mean Mario and King Cooper? You could be Yoshi or Mario, who yeah, you want to so be? Who you want to be? We need you to be a heel, so you're not an American plumber. You're an Italian plumber. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think anyone came out as a blue hedgehog, though, did they? Fuck, here, I'm sure the WCW were fucking trialing at some no, point. No, no, they, they had Sub Zero, didn't they? No, they had Glacier, man. Get it right, Glacier. <laughs> Sub Zero was completely Glacier fucking wasn't different. A, a Glacier? Even Gla- he fitted windows? <laughs> I mean, it was that era. That would have been in WWE. <laughs> <laughs> his tag team partner. He's straight up after but, fucking Marty Jannetty gets put through when he's just fitting a new one straight away. No, no, no. He puts a new one and then puts a new window in. Shawn Michaels like, fuck your window. My God, he's got a window. Oh my God, it's double glaze. Is that his finisher? Oh, double glazer. Jesus Christ. He's on the third rope like a skylight. Okay, of course, we are now going off topic which we, uh, we have promised people on social media we would go off topic I'm out of fucking break bring this back we, we also promised them a wrestling podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not make too many promises truth oh, evil laugh <laughs> okay uh, so uh, what about this match then? Uh, what about the match well Steamboat makes his entrance and they're on the wee carts and he's got Georgie and love those carts the carts where did they go man uh, the carts well, were they came back for Rumble when Big Show had to walk down I the that's fucking big Undertaker's all because he can't walk anymore yeah, remember Mania? Was it not where they brought them down the road? Yeah, there was a, uh, a couple of years ago. No, it was Royal no, it was Rumble. Rumble. Was it Royal Rumble? Yeah. Where they had, like, because it was the longest. To be fair, it was like 400 meters long. Yeah, it was in uh, San Antonio. Were like we fucking golf carts or something? Yeah, because it? it was. Uh, to be fair, 
Drew Dog Drew they weren't even there they had to drive them down because in that pay-per-view like if, if they started running their music would have looped again back to the start yes. and they'd only be about a third of the way down the ramp <laughs> could you imagine if Titus <laughs> had to start Titus just doing the longest cleansman to step away down to the ring for 100 metres okay so yeah he comes down with George Animal Steel on the little cart which is disguised as a bit of a like a fucking mini ring does anyone know why him and George Animal Steel were together I actually don't uh, um, can, can you sure. like this uh, apparently I read that oh. it's Steamboat just used to buy him loads of paints because he was sound oh right that was right. it that I, may not be true at all and maybe uh, just made was it uh, well, was, was George <laughs> Animal Steel not kind of like the he didn't talk he wasn't capable of speaking but he was almost like he had this thing about, he have a thing friend. did he have a thing with Miss Elizabeth beforehand I he had an obsession he had yeah. obsession so maybe he was just kind of going here look if you're wrestling you know macho man yeah. um, I can maybe like come down and, and support you but really I just want to rub one out over Miss Elizabeth <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say could you more, beat him up on but then, then again he wouldn't actually say it because he wasn't capable of talking he just, just, he just, just grunts could you imagine how hairy that rub would have been See, to be fair, I think I'd probably have a hairier back than George uh, I was going to say, like. imagine if he jipped on his own fucking fur. Like, See, I mean, this is true. Get it out, like, <laughs> good God. It's like, it, all I keep saying is like, it's Velcro, and they've just put this thought of somebody wanking onto Velcro, and you're like, is that a thing? Because if it isn't, I bet you there's a website where some boy's going, that's my favourite thing. <laughs> that's my favourite thing. Here, George, how did you dread <laughs> But no, you totally wrecked it, because I was just about to say, I actually really like George. Animal Steel's no, character. I, I have yeah. a very like innocent perception of it's almost like uh, sloth, I, I, sloth I, I, in the I, I, I love how after like, everything you just said, it's like I really like his innocent perception. Yeah. Do you yeah. I'm, I'm actually, uh, to be honest, you know what apart, I mean? apart, yeah, he I has this sort of hunchback of Notre Dame t- uh, ca- type yeah, persona yeah, that I think is where he's trying to protect the damsel. I think that's his perception, yeah. and, and he's got this nicety about him, but he's like, grotesque on the outside. He's got that toxic Avenger. Oh my god, look about him. I totally agree with that. Apart from me saying that he jips on his own fur. Fuck's sake. Um, I mean, I was only joking. <laughs> I genuinely think that uh, George Animal Steel in this helps to lend a bit of um, credence somewhat to Ricky the Steamboat's, um, for, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's plight. Yeah. You know, that he is the innocent party in this. He is the plucky underdog. And George Animal Steel is innocent. He's in his persona. He's harmless. He's har- well, yeah. But he can hurt you, but he's yeah, harmless. Yeah, he's yeah. an intent. He's like a child. Yes, like a, yes. A, a, a he, he's there. He's a protector he's there to help yeah. him out from any interference or you know to stop and, and he does play a very pivotal role later on in, in the match and he, he does help um, you know Ricky Steamboat out a couple of times um, in a totally innocent way um, but I think that he's there to sort of give that a somewhat dramatic credence to the storyline in a sense that you know he's totally innocent he's there as an all round good guy that the crowd love because you, you're right, he is very much like the hunchback in Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, he's there. He looks grotesque on the outside, but at his heart, at his core, he's really he's innocent. pure. He's pretty he's pure. pure. He's yeah. sinister looking, but yeah. pure at heart. And, and, and this whole obsession with Miss Elizabeth is very much, as you say, like a damsel in distress type yeah. of thing. He right. wants yeah, to protect like, her. Yeah, it's yeah. not like he's going to fucking kidnap her and fire a couple of kids up her. Sorry, like. I don't <laughs> R- rougher than what is meant to be. Funny, he, he does kind of give that impression at, at times in this, and then which you can see from yeah. Macho Man yeah. moving her. From various parts of the yes at the start like, yeah, he, yeah you know they do build that up um, and, and Macho Man immediately leaves the ring um, you know straight away spoiler alert spoiler alert um, <laughs> sorry do you want to talk about it Chris initially we're totally no. stealing your job they, you know, they, do, they do size each other up that like, they both come down to the yeah. ring so um, you know they're sizing each other up 
Um, that's where we're going. They're oh, right. They're both getting in the ring, and like you said, they're sizing each other up. Uh, but before they lock up, Macho Man, he suddenly jumps out of the ring and moves Miss Elizabeth from one side of the ring to the other. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Again, it emphasizes that point about, yeah, about keep the Animal Keep her away from George Animal Steel. Yeah. Um, I also but think does as well... that create a sort of feeling about Macho Man that he's a wee bit like... You know, well, he, uh, well, I don't want to say the words. The term well, chauvinistic, good, but our misogynist. Well, well, I don't know what it was. And he was macho he was, man. He was very, True. very, very protective and controlling of Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, 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 he would have lost her as protective in, uh, of dressing rooms and the future. What did you just say? Sorry, I thank God you were talking. If I didn't hear that, I'm pretty sure the mic picked it up. I said, was he as protective of Stephanie McMahon? We are, we are never going to be allowed to WWE shows. Good. Good. Um, we don't have to lose our fucking thirty-five followers if we went to the WWE show. That's a fair point. Uh, what I was gonna say was though. Do you think though that because you you because Macho Man was infamous for meticulously planning all his matches? Sure. Do you think also that they whenever he moved Elizabeth round to another part of the ring, it was maybe also a case of you're in the wrong. You're place. not supposed to be there. Why are you there? I think it was scripted. I you think, think it was scripted? Because I, I, I think it was a nice... I, I hope I hope it was. What do you mean scripted? scripted? Wrestling scripted? What are you <laughs> no, getting at I here? Mean, I don't nothing, think it was. Nothing, nothing, nothing I don't think it was an off. <laughs> ignore, ignore. Yeah. I don't think it was off the cuff. I generally think the way it was done because they were sizing each other at the start. It showed sure. that Macho Man's attention wasn't entirely focused on the match, which is interesting because he is the ah, champion. Right? Okay. He is yeah, the champion. Yeah, yeah. So it was providing, which was odd for the era. It was. It wasn't just this binary clash of the titans. It was. There was. It was depth to it. There was a bit of psychology to it. It was great storytelling. Yeah, great storytelling yeah. from the yeah. outset. Because we also, it also emphasized the whole George Animal Steel's obsession sure. with Miss Elizabeth. It also showed that Macho Man's attention. Wasn't solely focused on the task ahead. That's a good, that's a good uh, you know takeaway from that. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't pick that up. Yeah. I thought it was more like he's, he's this is him trying to be portrayed as maybe a wee bit more heelish. Yeah. And dragging her away, but it's but it's, it, that it's good that his mind's not on the match. Yeah, like that. It also draws the crowd's attention to the people outside the ring as well mm. that they are part of the story so it helps to really emphasise to them because I mean let's be honest wrestling fans aren't famed for their fucking intelligence but no. it's, it's really like <laughs> just, again the, the Twitter kind yeah. of just, the followers are going yeah, down and down that, and yeah. down fuck but, but no generally it's it's you know it helps to highlight for them that there's subtext to this there's more to it yeah. than just the two of them going at it in the ring there's but that, that, no, concerns. that's true because you're so used to nowadays seeing people coming down to the ring, whether it's with a manager, whether it's with a tag team partner that's maybe in a singles bout, and they do absolutely sweet f all bar fucking bash the side of the ring to try and get a bit of crowd going or whatever, and then you just know the only time they actually are in any way useful to the match is the final closing second. Yeah, they trip somewhere. Yeah. yeah, they get and it's always expected, and you forget that they're even there in the match, and then you're always bummed out. It's like for fuck's sake, you can but, see it coming a mile yeah, away. But with this, there's shit. a more innocent and yeah. wholesome. Um, support that Miss Elizabeth provides to, uh, uh, to uh, Macho uh, and George Animal Steel. Yeah, yeah. You know, he provides good support. He doesn't get involved in the match in a negative way. Uh, he doesn't do any dickish heel moves. Um, and he's there. That just depends on your character. perception. Well, you know well, what? I, we'll we, come to that. Okay. We've been talking about this for fucking how many minutes? We haven't even led one dig. It's like nearly fucking 40 minutes. Well, we haven't even fucking thrown a punch yet. Okay, so. Well, no, uh, I'm going to go through the match and try and get as much as we can in. Uh, both men start uh, with a test of strength with Ricky the Steamboat going over. Steamboat then starts to work Savage's left arm before Randy turns things around by throwing Steamboat out of the ring for the first time. Uh, 
Steamboat makes many attempts to get back into the ring with Savage continually preventing him with some pretty stiff offense. Mm. Uh, Ricky finally gets in and he turns it round for a good bit and even gets Savage tied up in the ropes for a brief moment. I love that That spot. was, a, that was wee, so good. Nice wee break. Do you know what I think I liked about that uh, really, really um, jumped out to me in this match from the outset was the pace. Yep. It was it was such yeah. a quick pace which wasn't normal for That's the era because yeah. they were two bigger guys. You with, know. With, with the pace and with spots like this hang up in the ropes it's something that you, you only hear like you definitely don't get it in New Japan shows because the crowd's dead as fuck but that, that pops constantly for every move that maybe now we take for granted That's that crowd say, but is electric as fuck a lot of the matches is quite simple it's yeah. so it's like there, there isn't like big moonsaults no. or big but high that, spots that said that was yeah. for the era you yeah. know but it was advanced for the era yeah. but that's the thing when Savage is in the ropes and like the initial pop when Savage gets wrapped in those ropes mm-hmm. and the crowd just Boom, it's but, amazing and you sit and watch that and you can feel the goosebumps like it's like that's it oh, that's so that, good. That, those early moments for me because it goes up there's a bit of back and forth um, and it's at such a quick pace that I generally think it embodies the entire match because it ebbs and it flows you know it, it, it's back and forth constantly and that's why the crowd they don't know what the fuck's going to happen you've got two faces mm-hmm. going against each other <clears> here and no one's getting the outright dominance and that's what makes it so essential to watch. That's why the crowd are glued to it, and they're, they're just popping for everything. It's great. Like, it is fantastic. It, it to adds watch so initially. so much uh, dynamic to the actual match in itself. Oh fuck yeah! In the crowd, like. yeah. Well, both guys they continue to go back and forward um, until Savage tries to throw Ricky out of the ring again. But this time, Ricky skins the cat. You know, where he holds on and pulls himself back. In yes, oh, that was very impressive. But as soon as he gets in, Savage just clotheslines him out. Take I that fucker! I, I, I know that's even like one of my favorite spots. That and the back body drop, which we come to later on. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, it is good the way he, try, he doesn't fight. You, you, you're behind him going, yes, lad. And then it's yeah. like, you know what? Fuck off. Steamboat's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Savage's like, get the fuck out of my ring. Yeah, <laughs> I actually generally, when I saw that moment, I was like, this is fucking class. Yeah. And then I went, oh, wait, he just got fucking... Mullered out of the But that's movie. because we're conditioned to see things like this happen all the time where the so called baby face does something like that and then it just it goes by numbers. Because Shawn Michaels yeah. did that quite a lot, of, especially yeah. the later yeah. part of his You become conditioned to yeah. know that, oh, this is the start of the change in the match and the yeah. pace is going to change in favour of the other. And then it's like, oh, fuck, actually, no, it isn't. Yeah. He's just got absolutely blathered yeah. out of the ring. Yeah, that's it. Randy follows him out of the ring and uh, he hits him. Sending him over a table and into the crowd. Yeah, that was, that was class. That was, that was very New Japan esque. Yes. Modern day New Japan. There was no spice. You see, for that era, I watched a few, quite a few matches in that era, that wasn't common to send it, someone it into the crowd. No. And I guess the, something we see quite regularly now. Yeah. Well, de- definitely in New Japan and yeah. the more indie scene, less sure. than WWE. But. Yeah, no, you're absolutely fucking, right. Like, and, and to be fair to, like... Uh, Blathers him through that fucking table. And it looked like it was almost like a bit of a botch. Because he doesn't look like he lands comfortably at no. all. It looks like it's quite fucking sore, the way he goes over the top of the table into the crowd. Because we, we've, we've talked in the past that Steamboat isn't exactly the best of... I don't personally think he's the best at sellers. Sometimes he well, looks it. That's and point. he sort of takes a piss. Except when larynx gets But when this, when he hits it over... The, it's genuine. You're like, oh, fuck, that's sore. Yeah. Because there's no overselling there's no milk in the shit no, out of it no. he's, he's probably genuinely going fuck's sake man yeah and it's also the first heartfelt moment of the match is when we see George Adam still coming to try and pick him up he does yes. he helps him out of the crowd yeah. because he looks properly fucked which is controversial and That's Jesse picks really, up on yeah, that as well it really like. confused me because when he lifts him out of the crowd to bring him in to break the 10 count mm-hmm. uh, Jesse the body from Tura says that this shouldn't be allowed and it should be a disqualification 
Aye, but Monsoon says well, it's because he's a wrestler, not a manager, isn't that it? Yeah, but then what's like is what's that, a stipulation does that mean on that? The undisputed era could come out every match and just be like, I'm not, he's not wrestling or he's not getting countered out, just whack him back into the ring. Well, like, that kind of does happen. They can't do that anyway, to be fair. They do, and if they can't, if they're not allowed to do it, they just fuck the match I up. I thought and, it was that if you had a manager or a part, or your team member down at the ring, you weren't allowed to lay your hands on the superstar. That's why mm. most of the time you see people getting thrown back into the ring to when the referee is distracted. But this time the referee was literally—he was He's just like, watching. Dirty he is watching. Dave Hebner, isn't it? Dave you know, uh, yes, Dave Hebner is the ref. Yeah, he's watching. Like he's not exactly. It's not discreet, is what we're trying to say. Like, no, it's not like. But, but then is, is it because the ring? George is such? Does he throw back in the ring, or is he just no? He helps him over the barrier. We well, technically he's not involved in in the immediate ring area. Well, he, he, he helps him over to the ring. Yeah, but he doesn't like throw him in. But he still helps. He he, he guides him. He helps break the ten count. But, but I wonder. I wonder. Does Hebner give a bit more? freedom to this scenario because George as we have mentioned earlier is quite harmless he's like a glorified child yeah. so it's like you can't really tell him off the wee pet the wee crate there let him go yeah. go on wee son how oh, George is fucking milling about me and Mommy, back. he hit me it's okay it's alright just you ignore that exactly he's just right. you ignore that 10 count there wee lad eat your sweets to be, to be fair though I mean I understand where Jesse uh, Venture is coming from you know you can complain about it as per the rules he shouldn't have interfered in that sense. Yeah, but Jesse's got something to say about everyone. But too. but I mean, by I the same token, be like, you yeah, could you sorry. could you could argue that <laughs> that fucking Jesse Ventura, you know, has got it totally wrong in this case, and that George Animal Steel is actually just doing it for the fans to keep the match going because we get a fucking masterclass afterwards. Well, true. Jess, true. he is uh, the color commentator, so he he is the one that has to say the healy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. Yeah. I was also going to say it wouldn't be like uh, Dave Hammond to break the rules if anybody knows how he got fired oh, from, fired from <laughs> WWE to begin with. Oh, but God. but uh, we'll, we'll cover that another time. Well, do, you know, do you know who wasn't happy about this? Randy Savage. So he's like, fuck this. He climbs to the top rope and he does his wee finger point, which I fucking love. And CM Punk used to do it in tribute and it's just amazing. And he jumps off uh, with a double axe handle hitting Steamboat while he's outside the ring again can I just say see that double axe handle I mean I know it's, it's a simple move and you kind of see it now and go oh, fuck a double axe handle yeah. but he does it with such conviction yeah. and there's quite a bit of power going down through mm. it and you're going fuck he's selling it but but that, that was something that Randy Savage did so well he did the simple stuff and he made it look great yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, that's why everyone loved him like yeah, yeah loads of and why is the charisma that comes with that still up to this day yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you drop an axe handle and you know you, like we always pick in the perk right there but Titus O'Neill drops an axe handle you're like fuck me it's the most boring thing ever but like, he needs to learn it you don't have to go urra 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 every fucking move is he, is he just a glorified fucking sealant or what like, he is our generation's George Animal Steel to be fair no I prefer no, George Animal no, Steel no, no, we wish he was no, <laughs> to be fair he did when that time he fell down that ramp under the ring he did flop to the ground like a fucking sea lion like, flop so so what happened afterwards after he does the double axe handle uh, he rolls Steamboat back into the ring and he climbs to the top rope one more time finger points again and drops yet another double axe handle to Steamboat this time in the ring Savage then pins Steamboat for a two count and in frustration picks him up and hits the great uh, running over the top rope you know the hot shot Yes. Where he held onto the back of his neck, Savage ran, Savage jumped oh, over the top rope and then pulled Ricky's That was off. awesome. That was so a great move. Good. And I've never seen. Because they call it a clothesline, so it's kind of like they don't yeah, know what to call it. They called it a clothesline. Now, I don't know if um, when Steve Austin he started using Hotshot, I don't know if that's where the name came from or if it was years and years and years before that, but I've never seen a hit like that because usually it's just a case of 
I'm on the outside of the ring, you're on the inside, I'm going to chuck yeah, you down. Yeah, yeah. But again, we just mentioned about two minutes ago, everything Savage did, he did with style, and I think that's what added to his fucking awesomeness. It's great innovation for the time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, they, they riffed on a, a normal, traditional idea mm-hmm. and made it different, and that's why the crowd was fucking eating out of the palm of their hands. But you think of many pops happen in this match early on, when Savage throws Steamboat over the top rope, like, you know, just a general over the top rope is well, enough to make the crowd freak out. Afterwards, doesn't it? Yeah, well, the crowd's non-stop. But from when the you, beginning. so if you imagine you jumping voluntarily over the rope to execute a yeah. move, like their minds are fucking blown yeah. at this stage. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not something that you usually see. No, like we said, but we said at the very beginning, this match really stuck out for wrestling back then. Like it was just beyond what you're used to seeing yeah the two guys lumbering each there, other there was there were parts I don't know if it, if it happened right after the the um, the top rope hot shot but it was the um, the, the bit where um, Ricky Steamboat went over the top rope yeah and lands really hard yeah, that's fucking, a bad that looks like a really bad land I remember seeing it and he, I think he basically went over and it looked like he landed on his head uh, the way he sort uh, of went over and I was like fuck and you could sort of hear the clatter on the other side now you didn't see him actually hit the ground I think that added yeah. more um, and the, the crowd's reaction to it's, like, it's like the horror movies where you don't see the death it's yes. just like you hear he's, it. he's fucking dead on the other I mean, side of that ring he was taking that big bump initially where he went over the table and into the crowd mm. and then he's being fucking flung over the top rope and he's he's landing really really fucking hard he's bound to be rattled he, yeah fuck he's definitely yeah. rattled and it was one time where his, his hammy selling actually worked yeah. you know he, he fucking he, he, he handed up but it, it suited that perfectly I think I think what made it look more devastating as well is it wasn't just a simple throw out of the ring it was uh, Randy Savage actually he does the back body drop you know where you kind of lift them up over your shoulder mm-hmm. yes in a way so I think that, like it got more of an angle more height and again he's initially starting the drop upside down sure so when you're only going to see him going down upside down it looks fucking it looks like that's it the camera angle for that is amazing as well actually he's devastated on the fact that that, um, Randy Savage did that Mm -hmm. to to Ricky Steamboat what about whenever Ricky Steamboat does it to the Macho Man there's a bit where he, he tosses him over the top rope yep and it it looked like an even worse fall because he genuinely looked like he was just plummeting head first down to the ground oh god <laughs> and you didn't see that happen to Macho Man often no if at all and I just thought fuck this this is not normal for the era the, this is beyond the, the, the regular moveset of all these it wasn't that, I think that's that's a good point actually because you think this would be the benchmark for a lot of wrestlers to then pick up from and really for still a few years after that uh, the other Wrestlemania SummerSlam Survivor Series you still got a lot of lumbering slow yeah. uh, big men matches yeah, yeah. Um, and you know Savage was brought up into that category maybe to carry a lot of those guys yeah, with slightly, yeah. slightly limited skill sets definitely in the um, SummerSlam match with Seuss dear god help us <laughs> <laughs> well I, I will apologise because I said that it was uh, Ricky Steamboat who backed or Randy Savage back body dropped uh, Steamboat no, it was, ring, but it was actually the other way around yeah. so yes so, um, one job man. I know I misread they both start with R and like they're <laughs> so, so, so I'm sitting here going Ricky Steamboat Randy Savage so yeah. I see to be honest on that spot of the match I mean it was <laughs> you were kind of getting used to seeing Ricky Steamboat taking those bumps because as I said before he was a bit of a, a cruiserweight in terms of how he wrestled like a modern yeah. cruiserweight he was willing to sort of do a bit more aerial stuff which wasn't common for the time but to see Macho Man be fucking flung like that over the top and take some really bad lands because you're so used to seeing it like in my mind it, Macho Man can fly when you think Macho Man you think the elbow drop that man yeah. can fly but, but you never see him flop yeah but he he fucking he hit the ground hard here mm. and it was quite 
an acrobatic move for oh, him. Yeah. You know, like it, it's not common for him to do that because he was seen as he wasn't the biggest of men, but he was a big guy. Mm. He was and, a big guy, and he wrestled like a big guy often, but more intelligent. But as you just said, Andy, a better move set than most for the era. But for I think you know Ricky Steamboat really brought him out more. I think in terms of he was like the AJ Styles of his era. He, he was the ideal opponent, I think, for Savage he yeah, at that point. Anyone? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but I definitely think unlike say Hogan a couple of years later that Savage fought in the Mega Powers Explosive Explode oh. Angle. Uh, you definitely felt that someone like Steamboat and I just said Flair said it himself yeah. that, you know he's one of the best guys to work with in the business uh, him and say Sting yes because, because one of his favourites too because it gave our it sort of gave people a a chance to really experiment really let loose where someone like Andre and Hogan you can, you can only do so much before That's they it. inevitably body slam you or yeah. leg drop you it's yeah. like any time you see the likes of AJ Styles match with someone who we don't generally think can do a good match when he's with AJ Styles you kind of see them come out of their shell a wee bit because yeah. you know that no matter who AJ Styles is going to be in the ring with it's going to be a great match uh, but I think you know definitely with the likes of Randy Savage he's a good wrestler mm-hmm. for the era Ricky Steamboat I'd say technically is a better wrestler than, than Randy yeah. Savage still but you're having Randy Savage's you haven't like Randy's like blueprinted matches, mm-hmm. you know, really well planned matches, and then you're having the dynamism of of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It's, it's a perfect combination. It's a perfect like, combination, it's a great, great. and that's why this match stood out for the big spots as well that sure. they really, really do. I mean, that, that again, that tossing um, Macho Man over the top rope, violently brutal. Mm-hmm. But then you know, well, that's where we're going to go from there. Uh, okay, just from that point because as Randy's getting back into the ring, Steamboat climbs to the top rope, and <laughs> what you're talking about here? He, yes. uh, Decides to jump over Dave Hebner and hit Randy Savage with a diving karate chop. Karate chop. Fucking uh, chopping the shit out of him. This was. This was. <laughs> I love it. There's actions want, and everything going on here. That, see, when I, I saw that earlier, I lost it before this again. I was like, that was the fucking eighties, right there. Right enough. You know. But we talked about how Randy Savage looked so violent with his double axe handle. How can you make a fucking karate chop <laughs> to the top of the? Right, that's awesome. No, it, 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 it was it was pure off short man to do it. Yeah. 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 Oh. it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't a karate chop. Maybe it was a judo you know, chop. It needed those. Uh, we you remember when WCW used to have the chair shots and it had the pure fucking Adam West Batman just karate. I totally forgot about those. That's a Channel Five. Channel Five. CW it's like oh the park is about to get whammed with a chair no kabam <laughs> like bollocks it just shows you the difference at the time because I remember watching WCW Saturday Night on like a Saturday morning sure and they never cut out anything no it's Saturday we saw, we, we saw Cactus Jack just getting body slammed onto concrete My no man. you weren't allowed on a Friday night before you were drinking a fucking Ribena at the back of the nightclub you had to fucking see a chair shot boom with a kablamo across it it was fucking ridiculous but you know again on that fucking that karate chop it just summed up the 80s for me perfectly yeah. and that was a that is a snapshot of the era and that's what the, they were trying to do they were just trying to embody what was popular ninjas karate yeah. um, super mario fucking ryu <laughs> <laughs> fucking ryu so we said like, that's what he looked like when casual he wore, misogyny when he as wore well. his fucking yeah. red headband and the fucking gay he was pretty much ryu from street fighter well that was before that was before Street Fighter though. Before so, so wrecking the steamboat. I think that was actually it's right. It was he before it was before Street Fighter One, I think, eighty seven was before I think it was eighty eight that came out. No, no, you're right. Yeah. Just lift the game off your fucking shelf and tell me what's printed no, on no, the fucking game. watched this match and was like, I can make a game out of this. <laughs> I do have. And George Animal steals that wee green dude. 
Shrek's a big dude. Well, Michael was a pretty big dude. Blanket would not get off topic here. So we're we get the the wee roll up section where they're pinning each other with like schoolboys and roll ups and they're really really close falls and then it gets the the end or the last one sorry where Ricky Steamboat kicks out so Savage decides he's going to throw a punch towards Dave Herbner. It's at this point of the um Can we just call it can we call him that? from now on we'll call him Dave Herbner. At this point we can see that the referee Dave Herbner is he's really exhausted trying to keep up with these two because like we mentioned it's been such a fast pace from the get go yeah. and uh, he's trying his best trying his best and then all of a sudden he is taken out of action when Savage throws a steamboat towards turnbuckles and squashes Herbner Herb- in the process in the fantastic you, fashion I have to say, I have to say as, as you do Herbner, um, he's, Herbner. He, he sold his fucking bump better than steamboat does his bump is ridiculous he just turns into from one minute he's a grown ass man to absolute trout he just falls like, like he's a like a fucking a bag of shite like he weighs a deck <laughs> you think he does sell it better than, than steamboat and then it's funny because after what happens after that uh, Savage climbs to the top rope and he's uh, he hits the ooh yeah elbow drop and cover steamboat beautiful which is the iconic shot yeah, of the whole yeah, match yeah, I yeah, love that beautiful and of course it's been used in every yeah for WrestleMania ever since but see, mm-hmm. I see that, that part because he tries to get the cover but there's no referee to make the count yeah, know. you know well fucking slap it up you macho you fucking tip breath <laughs> what was he doing I mean he clearly throws he took him out of commission he, and he, then he, he goes actually, off he actually swung round I think a couple of times with Steamboat and then throws him into Herbner Herbner you know, he chosses him in he's like Where, where's Herbner and then he just fucking there you are and flings him into him true, deliberately true. knocks him out and then wonders why he's not getting the fucking pinfall I love when he tries you to fucking idiot when he tries to pick Herbner up he's like he's like <laughs> fuck's sake that's like your mate's blocked and you're like you know yeah, I'm just gonna leave him but it's his own fault do you know what I mean he like deliberately targeted him and then he's wondering <laughs> yeah. oh why is he not there to do the pin <laughs> and it's like you're an idiot <laughs> now we've got to betray and Carver you can't call Macho Man an idiot it was obviously orchestrated and well planned out well it leads to the next point because with Herbner with Herbner down yeah what happens well Savage decides he's going to go out and get the same ring bell that he tried to crush Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's larics with. I felt bad for the wee boy, the wee fucking bell uh, singer boy. That was like shit. <laughs> he's like, come on, fucking bell. Know, like, he didn't ask for that. that no. was, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I have one job, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he just fucking knocks his shade out of the person. What will I ring when the match is over? <laughs> I can't remember yeah, did, did the bell ring? Did the bell ring actually? The <laughs> phantom bell Did it happen to random sparrows? Like, it's okay I've got another one Get Re- the backup bell Back up bell. Back up bell You see Bobby Heaton just running no, down yeah. Or Dave's brother Earl Herbner So Steamboat's got the bell And George Steamboat's got the bell Fucking It begins with R And S Fuck Anyway Savage gets the bell and uh, George intervenes again he and tries heel. to take what he does. He takes the heel. bell off Savage. Is this Savage? Savage turning heel is that what we're saying? No, we're, no, no. We're saying Steamboat turns heel. Savage has had none of this. And he just kicks poor George in the back of the head. And that's a nice kick, though. It's it's not. It's, a it's not a kick. Savage. He kind of does like a wee friction burn down the yeah. back of his big furry back off the back of his head. This is this is the weird thing about this moment because who really is the heel here? Because. 
For you me, argue, for me, it's savage. Well, yes, savage you can argue that. Here. Yeah, you can argue that the intervention from George Animal Steel, any intervention from anyone outside the ring, that's a dick move. That's a dick move. That you know they should not be getting involved. In this case, that's a very, a very furry dick. But yes, maybe this but, isn't in this case because George is in love with Miss Elizabeth, so he's trying to protect her. So in a way, oh he's, sure, oh sure. George Animal Steel is in love with Elizabeth, and it's all lovely and sweet. DDP stalks the Undertaker's wife, and suddenly it's <laughs> fucking creepy as fuck. I'm just saying. Just say double standards, lads. Different strokes for different folks. Uh, double standards. To be fair, didn't DX fucking uh, kidnap Stephanie McMahon and drug her and marry Hunt? Hunt and I was kind of implied that she was raped. Hey, but Trips that worked I mean, alright for Triple H. So oh, yeah, it was She fell in love with him then. It was fine. It was Stockholm Syndrome. I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but Tess was punching like above his weight. Like, was he not? Come on, Tess. And every conceivable sense in that, he was being pushed. Yeah. Way too hard. He fucking wore a pair of bin bags for trousers what? to the ring for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the boy was a fucking lost cause. Uh, okay, back to okay, the end. Okay, we're coming to the end. We're coming to the end. Let's go. Back in the point. Bring us home. <laughs> who really is the heel here? Because George Animal Steel, he intervenes. That's normally a dick move. All of a sudden, the person he's out with is turning heel because he intervenes. But, what did I say? Nothing. What's the boy? I've just got my head. Dave Herbner's the heel. Dave Herbner's the heel. That's well, why I didn't get up Dave to the car. Dave Herbner's the fucking heel. He's the fucking heel. But you could argue as well that he actually is not the heel because the Macho Man tries to fucking crush his legs with a fucking ring bell. Again. Again. <laughs> so he's actually saving him. He's doing the better turn. Steel is. Steel is. Yeah, you know, I he's think Steel's doing a good it's, move here. He's pure in yeah, his, yeah, his yeah. intentions. He wants it to be, he already wants it to be a fair fight. He doesn't intervene in any other sense in terms oh, of Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I tried to take the bell off him. He pushes him off at like, the top yeah. rope. It's, as I mentioned, yeah. it's right here on screen just as this, yes. this moment is executing in front of our eyes. So there's there's, there's no ambiguity here. It's happening. But, you know, I Her think... Herbner just woke up. I know, well. fucking Herbner. But I think that this was the, the sort of the dramatic gravitas that they needed to sort of turn... Oh, it's a good crescendo. Yeah, to, a good yeah. crescendo yeah. To, to turn um, Macho Man semi heel. Yeah. Okay, and to curry even more favour with the crowd towards Ricky Steamboat because what happens as a result of of, him inter- of George the Animal Steel intervening? He, well, after the kick to the head, uh, Savage has the bell and he climbs to the top rope and George jumps up again like Andy mentions, pushes him off. Uh, he lands pretty hard and then... <laughs> Like you said, Mr. Herbner wakes up. Uh, both sides. Yeah. But, but the thing with the push off the turnbuckle, I think it's Jesse the body. He, he obviously he's painting a more vivid picture and says, "I think uh, Savage hit his head off the bell." Yeah. You completely see the bell falls quite yeah. far from yeah. the point of impact. Yeah. So. I guess they're trying to paint maybe there was a bit of a botch there. I think maybe he was supposed to hit the bell because then it would lend itself to the next. Yeah, developing. Yes, move. because they both stand up. Savage attempts a scoop slam, but Steamboat uh, rolls the champion up into a small package for the three count. Sure. So him hitting the bell could have been a good reason on why he got pinned. Mm. In, in such I a think that's part of the story. He was meant to hit his head, and he's dazed and confused. Yeah. But it didn't. It didn't you know, out. But it's enough. It's fuck enough. Randy. He's a fucking. <laughs> he's I didn't even get a fuck Randy. He's a fucking cunt. I mean, <laughs> oh my god. I, no, I'm just gonna put it out there. He tried to fucking use the ring bell. In a violently vicious way. What's, what's your Twitter uh, fucking account? Just so people can send you like so much abuse. I don't give a fuck. You know what? And I still, well, I know I still love him. Is here. <laughs> no, I, I still love him. But in this <laughs> match, he did it deliberately. He was trying to incapacitate his opponent yeah. beyond the realms of what's acceptable. And George Animal Steel ensured that it was fair. 
in terms of because because George George because they both stand up in the end yeah yeah That's and George could have took the bell off Savage after he kicked him whatever and yeah. George could have hit him with the fucking bell he could have and then that would have been a heel yeah. move and he, and he didn't he, he just intervened enough that I mean Savage gets right up and he faces Steamboat right yeah. after it happens so it's it's not a case of like you He's know oh Savage is, is Steamboat that. actually has the first uh, bit uh, or sorry Savage has to say the first bit of offence when they both stand up yeah even though he took the tumble he I say he's got the upper hand essentially yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so fuck him yeah. <laughs> synopsis fuck him well yeah so uh, Steamboat gets the three count as a big fuck you to Randy Savage it's great what, what a pop as well but he's great oh, yeah. like, like that's the type of stuff you want from a wrestling match yep. every day well Freak the story it was a success they built it up perfectly you know yeah. uh, Savage injured him didn't think he was going to come back he makes his return and not only does he make his return but he takes the, the championship off him at the Grand Heavyweight Yep, the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. Yep. Um, Steamboat and George, they ride off into the sunset holding the title high and Savage. While that's executing as well, while the crowd's popping, he's got the title, George is hugging him, Steamboat's theme tune has never sounded as good. I was going to say, I was actually meant to say, at the start, whenever he came came out, I thought that his his theme music was the perfect accompaniment to, he is the plucky underdog. I'm getting the vibes here, you know, I'm getting the goosebumps. It's like a Rocky Rocky montage music. But then afterwards, what do you mean, what is it? You just watched it in the fucking match? We'll we'll, we'll play out the episode of it. Yes, we'll play out the episode It's so good. At the end, it's fucking amazing. It just sounds like you've been spent, you've invested hours in your fucking Mega Drive game and you've completed it and it's just it's it was like the end of Street Fighter if you mentioned the game where Ryu do, walks off in the sunset that's it fucking was, it his theme music at the, the end was the perfect it was the perfect accompaniment to the catharsis of the whole match class, it was the outlet of emotion and that was it and it was just like I've just come everywhere <laughs> all over George's back all over George's back <laughs> I've just jumped all over George's back and he doesn't even know because he's in his man in there Pro. love it yeah. it's going to take him a few hours to watch that on. Yeah, yeah fucking right <laughs> with a rag on a stick hope it doesn't get, get the, the shield off <laughs> <laughs> well I had uh, some questions but um, we've already we've talked about the match in depth so I'll only ask um, what did you think of the match overall like Andy your opinion 10 out of 10 oh god it's a, ten, it's, a ten, it's, it's a historic match it's yeah. one of the best ever and again so many people have ripped it off since mm-hmm. uh, or have used that as the basis for I like I bet you that Kenny Omega has took that match as an inspiration for what he does today I think AJ Styles has probably definitely done that yeah. even, but even more that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart probably looked at that and said we can steal the show yeah yeah, yeah. This it was a match just for the wrestling yeah, I agree with the troop. Um, I'm shit with numbers, so I'm not going to give it a mark out of ten because I probably get it fucking wrong. But it is up there, like Andy says. It's it's definitely a match that any any fan, any wrestler could dissect. Whether it's just for pure enjoyment or to analyze it for executing of great storytelling, great moves, and in a fucking nutshell, any match that has a Yogi Bear quote from commentator is fucking powerful. <laughs> you know what Jesse says? It's like in the words of Yogi Bear, it ain't over till it's over. It's like. Name me another match you can slot that in. <laughs> Nowhere. It's fucking great. I love me some shit like this. Well, we we were about to say at the start of the podcast that uh, for at Christmas, Andy bought me a Christmas present. Which, uh, <laughs> Are you was, sure it wasn't your birthday? Are you sure it wasn't your birthday? No, it's, no, it's, birthday it's a, a couple after. Um, it was a book. It was the 100 greatest WWE matches. And um, this match is out of the book. Uh, we're going to be taking several matches out of the book. So for anyone that we take out of the book I'm going to ask you individually 
does this belong in the WWE Greatest 100 Matches? So, Andrew, do you think it belongs there? I Not only does it belong in the WWE Greatest Matches of all time, I think it is one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time in terms of the historic context of... of from us as fans, I think it's it's inspired so many in the industry, even if you've never wrestled in WWE before or WWE back then. I think, I think it's that important to the mythos of WrestleMania as well. Jeez. Uh, Curry, can you beat that answer? <laughs> Does it uh, belong? All right. So somebody works in fucking marketing. Uh, <laughs> just, just say no. Just say no. No. Well, the other thing I'd say is like, what number is it on the list? It's it's a, it's a number one, but it's not ranked. It's not it's ranked. Just not ranked. So right, it right, was right, just right, the right. First, first page. Uh, was this match so right so I see I thought I thought the premise of the book I don't know this no. fucking book Chris does and he it's, probably could clue me up about this so I don't sound like a fucking tube right now but I thought it was like number 100 out of the no, 100 no. matches so I was I was merely going to say this should be way further up the list definitely belongs on the list there's absolutely okay. no doubt about it and from from having it once over and, and obviously watching some of the other <laughs> matches it's without a doubt better than some of the others that are included in this so you know it's definitely up there okay. um, and I can fully understand why so many people cite matches of Savage and of Steamboat as being the instigators for their wrestling careers and like Mick Foley mentions it in one of his books and stuff so I can yeah. totally get that why these people characters matches have influenced so many people in the career of wrestling fucking great I won't do my answer again because Stephen said it way way better than me yes oh, <laughs> fuck well, we have the um the English teachers? No, I used to be an English teacher, but not anymore. Former, <laughs> you're a, now you're former, a sexy fireman. No. Former English teacher with um, his sexual words. Uh, what do you think? I'm sorry. Don't be using any of those big words that I don't do you know. What? Get. Do you know what? I, I genuinely think that, it, as Andy and, and as uh, uh, Curry have said, it deserves its place in the list of greatest matches of all time across any federations. Um, it genuinely, I think, that this match was a watershed moment. Um, for wrestling uh, it sort of showed that there was more to wrestling than in two big fucking potato lumps uh, I'm <laughs> more to Wrestlemania as well yeah. and up to this point Wrestlemania was just a celebrity fest it was, yeah. it, was it, it showed that Wrestlemania should primarily be about wrestling, wrestling. and it was yeah <laughs> and it wasn't up to that point and at times even in the modern era it hasn't been as well in 2018 a 10 year old kid won, won the title exactly <laughs> and, and I think that this was the watershed moment for the, for the modern wrestling sensibilities I mean it, it showed that you could tell a story you know adroitly throughout it was it was perfectly told it was well scripted um, it had a fantastic ebb and flow throughout um, they had the crowd on the edge of their seat it had fantastic spots in the match that you, people hadn't seen before um, it had it had drama it had character um, it, it just was an absolute masterclass in, in not just in delivering a basic move set mm -hmm. like I mean at one point um, midway through the match uh, Macho Man does a cut wrench powerbomb I've never seen a cut wrench powerbomb done so perfectly in my life yeah. and I'm, you know you don't see it that often but it was a basic basic enough move hmm. everything was done perfectly you could argue you know in terms of how it was delivered and executed and, and I think that, that that match was the genesis for the modern era um, for how things are, are done and you can see it uh, as a, a basic blueprint of how everything was, was done and telling the story throughout the match in, in modern matches in terms of, of New Japan and some of the top matches we've seen in the past few years um, so yeah I think that this match is, is just 
fucking outstanding <laughs> and it's a match that I'd happily go back and watch every time because um, a perfect snapshot of the year I, I think just on that it's a good match see if you're trying to get people into <clears> fucking wrestling and when they always give you the bullshit answer of oh I don't watch any of the new stuff it's crap I only watch the old stuff or something you fucking you could easily watch that over and over you could, you yeah. could. it was a treat so uh, was, what about your your thoughts of the match overall? Yeah, um, it was the when we sat down to do this. It was the first time I actually ever saw the match. Um, I know that when you watch loads of WWE documentaries and they ask superstars what their favorite matches, they always that well not a lot of them always say this match. So it was actually really entertaining to sit down and watch it. And I totally agree with everything you say. Like I said, I was going through the Attitude Era where I was only getting two minute matches, and then a twenty minute match was extremely boring to me. Whereas watching this, as I've got older and appreciate it more, you can see that it's thanks to these guys that we've got some of the great matches that we get today and some of the good storytelling that we can see. So yeah, up up the savage steamboat. Oh yeah. So okay. but do you just want to hear what happened after the match? Because I can do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. What happened after? Because uh, we we kind of mentioned it uh, earlier. So Randy Savage gets his rematch, but is unsuccessful. And Ricky Steamboat, after this long, hard journey back into the wrestling, holds the belt or the title, I don't know what way we have to say, uh, uh, for just two months before he uh, drops it to the Honky Tonk Man. I fucking told you! Absolute <laughs> fucking legend! And begins his 454 day title reign. Is, wow. that, is that still the record? I looked on Google there and it says that Miz has the most days. <laughs> Collectively, like all of his reigns, but this was, was consecutive. Yeah, it's just back to back. Do you know what? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat really was the original version of Daniel Bryan. Yeah, he got yeah. buried too much later. He got buried <laughs> yeah. so fucking quick, and he was a fan favorite. Yep. Fuck Vince. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think it's a good time to end the, end the episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, I've been Richard. Uh, I'm Chris. Thank you all for tuning in to our first episode. Yes, it was it was good crack. I don't think I've really uh, instigated anything uh, terrible. Uh, uh, so yeah, happy days, good shit. Andy, over to you. And I've been Andrew Moore, and he was Stephen Curry, by the way, to make his game. Who gives a shit? And uh, join us next week. And before we go, just want to say uh, follow us on social media for the. Uh, to find out what the next episode is. Yeah. What, what are our social media handles? The Four Suite? Yeah, the Four Suite is consecutively across Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. And all, and all Vampire one Freaks. And Vampire <laughs> Freaks. Sorry, I just fucking had to do that. People, MySpace, we're everywhere. Yeah, you know the problem is that the Vampire Freaks one's probably going to be our most popular one. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just had to do it. I was like, you know, just don't alienate peeps. You know, what's, just, the, what's no. the follower count like on Vampire Fucking Freaks? nothing. I got one guy, I got a picture of a silhouette of a penis probably. That's a like, with fangs drawn just before we go although we do record in bulk if there's any matches that you as listeners want us to cover or would like us to talk about a superstar feel free to tweet us them we will keep all your ideas and yeah, then in good. future episodes we could do them uh, yeah, especially as your episodes we never even see ourselves before yeah. so it would be nice to you know, sit uh, around but we're open to all uh, federations Bing, it's not just WF if you Bing. have a favourite Ring of Honor match if we can get the footage we will fucking write about it talk about it slabber about it uh, call someone a wanker make sure there's a Dev Herbner joke <laughs> Dev Herbner <laughs> Dev Herbner I feel like a good JR here <laughs> Dev Herbner but I, I'd say that, that that's, oh, that's a decent request because we always I would imagine we have some of our demographics would be more local to us because yeah. we are based in Belfast in Ireland and we do have a, a great federation over here over the top wrestling and we have been to quite a few of the live shows there have been some 
fucking top we matches there. We would actually have so. to go sober, do an OTT show once, and do an episode on a match because well, we don't. We can just watch it back whenever oh, they. Yes, yeah, yeah, we're drunk. Yes, yes. There is, there is an odd demand. Yeah, yeah, we can watch it. But like, there are some matches, like even like that Devlin and Walter match for the title. It's on YouTube, and it that is one match I would love to cover because it's fucking great. But more so though, the one that we were actually in the room for is probably one of the best matches. Yeah, probably the best match of 2018 was Will Offspray yes see Walter and we were in the room for that and it, it was, was fucking it was, it was a moment that I will remember for a long yeah. time that was that was the Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat for, 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 for Ireland yeah. but no but again, we're, we're focusing on OTT here but they're obviously you know ICW as Chris says Ring of Honor Anything. Rev Pro Progress. whatever you know we need to branch out I, I believe as well because this book is constrained to a certain extent so there are plenty of other feds out there in New Japan as we mentioned you're not going to put a PWU well <laughs> I, I, it's not that I hate PWU I really don't but we have a thing about turning on the big light you yeah, know, yeah, don't yeah. turn on the big light during a wrestling match. Don't, fuck, don't start the big light. Fuck me. <laughs> it just kills the atmosphere. Oh. But anyway, there you go. So, but, like, you know. Will we wrap it up then? Will we yeah. say goodbye? So yep. again, we are not sure for ideas, but any ideas will always be welcomed. And we're going to turn it over to Sexual Chocolate, Andrew Moore, to uh, get us all out of here. We have been the, the Four Sweet Horsemen, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Cheers. It's the cream of the crop. It rises to the drop. Oh, yeah, Dave Herbner. <laughs> 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 oh, <God. laughs> that was amazing.